You're listening to the DB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, out here in the West, having horses and living with horses has been a way of life for many, many years, and it continues to be. And horses are such an important part of what we like to do in our pursuit of this country lifestyle and this this lifestyle that we enjoy in the West. And you know, when it comes to keeping horses, keeping them healthy and keeping them performing, really important to know all about the nutritional requirements and what you need to be doing and what you need to be looking out for. And so today we are going to feature a couple of expert guests talking about training your horses and how nutrition contributes to that, as well as some of the more scientific aspects of the nutrition that you need to be providing for your horse. So hope you'll enjoy these two interviews with these wonderful experts. And everybody, hope you really enjoy this season and all the time you get to spend with your favorite horses on your place in the country. Well, with me today is Jake Telford, the owner of Telford Training Stables in Caldwell, Idaho, and a consultant with D&B Supply on really everything horses. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thank you. Yeah, really happy to have you and looking forward to our discussion about horse nutrition and everything that uh, that kind of surrounds that at this time of the year. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've been looking at your website and I see that you've got a, a great family business of training horses. And I wonder if we might take a second for you to tell our listeners what it is you do and how you got involved with horses. Well, it, it started out when I was a kid. I, my mother raised and trained, trained horses and showed them, and then I high school rodeoed, and um, I started training rope horses, and as a way to make my rope horses better, I uh, got into training rain cow horses. I was just intrigued with the versatility of those horses and uh, how well they could do different things and how easily they transferred to different disciplines. Over the years, I just kind of made the transition to training more rain cow horses uh, than I do rope horses. Okay. And there was some time in the rodeo arena I read as well? Uh, yeah, sure. I still enjoy going when I can, but uh, I definitely don't do it as much as I would like to. <laughs> sure. Sure. And then uh, you work in partnership with your wife at your facility? Uh, well, yeah, my wife uh, raises and trains barrel fraternity horses. Um, she doesn't do it for the public. She just does it for herself. Uh-huh. But, uh yeah, she she does pretty well with the barrel horses. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, you know, we called today to talk to you about some of the feeding needs of, you know, leisure, recreational, performance horses. And, and I know you're a go-to person for DNB Supply when it comes to anything to do with horses. I wonder if we might talk about those three different types of, of horses. And this time of year, being the spring and going into summer, what are some of those feeding needs for them? Well, as far as leisure horses go, we're we're in a really good area. You know, the Northwest has uh, very high quality hays. You know, you can find any alfalfa or grass hays. You know, it's the the quality in our area is really good. And for leisure horses, that's a lot of times all you really need if you want to supplement that a little bit with some grain. Uh, I feed Neutrina products. Uh, Safe Choice is a really you know good quality product. It's not really high energy it's not going to change your horse's attitude or demeanor and and you can supplement that alfalfa with with a little bit of that when you start talking about you know performance horses or show horses or barrel horses 
then, then you start talking to them more about, you know, bagged seeds and supplements and things like that. There again, I, I feed a lot of neutrina seeds. We do feed a lot of the Safe Choice, and then they have a lot of other products you can add to that. You know, they have Empower, which is a really high-fat type feed for, I ride a lot of young horses, and we have trouble keeping weight on those horses. And so those types of products will help you keep keep weight on a, on a younger horse that's being worked pretty hard. You know, it helps with their hair coat. We also feed a, a I feed, it's personal preference. I feed platinum performance vitamins. I feel like when you're riding and training um, young horses, they need all the help they can get. The vitamin minerals packages help them develop and grow while they're under the stress of training. And, and you said something about uh, the feed here in the Pacific Northwest is not going to change their attitude. How can feed impact that on a horse? Well, so any high starch feed, the corns and the oats and things like that, a lot of people prefer to feed whole oats, but it's really high in starch. And so it's like uh, giving a kid a candy bar, you know, they're going to get that sugar rush. And Neutrina's developed a lot of products that, that limit that starch intake and so that it doesn't affect their attitude as much and then on the other hand if if you're like my wife's feed program is completely different than mine she wants those horses to feel good and and more of a racehorse type feed they have some of those feeds that are you know higher starch you know give those horses more energy and and help their performance in the speed event as well okay and and when you're when you're putting your horses on a, a feed program and you're watching them to make sure they're not being underfed, overfed, that type of thing. What, what are you looking for? Oh, they, you know, they, a lot of the nutritionists, they have a body scoring thing and, and it just comes with experience. You know, if there's any questions or if people have any problems, they, they should consult a veterinarian or someone that has some knowledge about that. But, you know, over the years you just develop a, a sense of, you know, the horse is carrying enough weight in the proper spots, you know, over their back and their hips, their neck, you know, you don't want them over fat, then you run the risk of founder, but uh, it's just something that, that comes with experience. Sure. So you kind of develop an eye for what you're looking for and, and probably an eye for each individual horse, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's, um, that's part of the reason I like the Neutrina product so well is that, uh, you know, I, I can custom fit that feed ration for each individual horse because they're not all the same. I have some that are really easy keepers, and, and we don't want to overfeed them the grains. And then, like I said, I deal with a lot of young horses that need a lot of help maintaining weight and body condition under the, the stress of training. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Jake, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. And uh, I got some more specific questions for you about how all this works, okay? Okay, great. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. 
Did you know that a horse's top line plays an important role in how that horse performs, looks, and feels? That's why Neutrina offers top line balance in select horse feeds. Available at D&B Supply. Not all feeds are created equal, and not all feeds can improve a horse's top line. It took years of research and field trials to develop this unique approach to equine health. So look for the top line balance logo on select Neutrina horse feeds. For a healthier top line, stop on by D&B Supply for top line balance from Neutrina. All right, Jake. Well, now that we're back, I, I wanted to ask you. So, uh, you know, I was we asked about leisure and recreational as well as performance horses, and and I, I've worked a little bit on horseback with cattle, but really done more on horseback uh, doing recreation, going up into the mountains, pack trips, and stuff like that. And a lot of the times, the horses that we used. They'd be out on pasture, and we'd have a trip coming up in, say, three weeks or something like that, and we were going to be riding, oh, I don't know, 10, 20 miles in a day and, and, and having riders on them. Some of them are going to be pack horses and things like that. How would you start prepping a horse? If it's, if it's not a horse that gets ridden every day, but it's, it's a horse that you've used before for a trip like that, at what point would you start altering the diet to get it ready for what's coming up on the, on a big trip like that, climbing mountains and carrying riders and that type of thing? You know, to me, the, I don't know that I would change the diet as much as I would just give them the exercise, you know, and, and that depends a lot on their body condition too. If it's a horse that's um, a little bit thin, you're going to want to try to bulk them up just a little bit for, for those rigors of, of those mountain trips, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, mainly conditioning, if you, you could use those uh, – minimum of two weeks or at least three weeks out try to get them in shape a little bit it's going to help them when you actually go on that trip there okay excellent and now what do you do when you've got a competition coming up and you're you're going to need high performance out of a horse or same same with your wife is there any change that comes about when there's some sort of a competition coming up for a performance horse no to me that that change is not good for the horses they Throughout the whole tra- training process for us, yeah, we put them on a diet and a ration and, and something that fits that individual horse, and then we try to maintain that. I try to take my own feeds with me to the show because I don't want to change what their diet and what they've been, been used to. Um, you run the risk of colic and you know maybe not eating as well and a poor performance. It, any of those changes in those horses' diets is usually not a good thing. You know, I, I really try to maintain consistency throughout the training process and through the showing process as well okay and do you feed all of your horses individually or are they eating together no the majority of the horses uh, that i train belong to other owners Mm -hmm. individuals and so they're all the majority of all of them are in individual stalls or pens and we feed them individually okay and so if somebody has a situation where they can't separate all their horses, so they have to feed them together. They don't. They don't have the option, mm-hmm. uh, but they want yeah. to give them individualized rations. Is there a way to do that? Boy, that that makes it really difficult. If you have one one horse that you're trying to supplement that's in a herd of horses, you know, I know that DMB carries some some block type supplements, but that makes it really difficult. But, um, if you have a hard keeper, you're better to separate them off or catch them and make sure that they get their adequate amount of supplements. You know, the, the, the lower, the horses at the lower end of the totem pole always seem to get kicked off the feet and get less to eat than the stronger ones. And so as a, you know, a horse owner or manager, you've kind of got to keep an eye on that and, and manage it as, as well as you can. 
Okay. And you talked about the starch and, and how that can change the attitude of a horse. What are some of the other key ingredients you're looking for in a feed ration? Uh, so me, I, I like the high fat. You know, I feel like it helps put weight on horses. The higher the fat, the lower the starch. I don't want my horses having that sugar high. Um, so in, in those feeds that I feed, I look for high fat, low starch. That helps with their hair coat, helps maintain weight, you know, without the negative effects of the starches. Okay. And, and why do you use supplements? What is, what is the reason for that? The majority of the horses, we start them out as two-year-olds. We train them their whole two-year-old year and their three-year-old year. And then the fraternities that I go to are at the end of their three-year-old year. So these horses are relatively young, and they're trying to grow and develop while being you know, trained and put under the stress of showing. And so anytime you can help with those vitamin and mineral packages, I just think that it helps long-term with those horses, helps them grow and develop under the stress that they're they're getting during training. And and what kind of a array of supplements are available for for people for their horses out there? Oh, there's there's a million things out there. I I would just suggest comparing labels. Like I said, I feed the Platinum Performance vitamins over the years I've compared their labels to a lot of different brands and different things and and for me and what I do that's they're the best option. But there's, there's a lot of vitamins out there, and I just would recommend people talk to their veterinarian or compare labels and make an educated guess on what they <laughs> what they like to see. All right. And, and I'm sitting here try, thinking about this as we're talking about it. Is a supplement for a horse is the type of thing where you see something lacking somewhere, and so you pick out the right supplement to kind of to fill in that missing piece? Uh, is that how you um, – well, for me, no, it's, it's just a general overall, you know, health package. Once in a while, I run into a, a, a certain problem, you know, um, but usually that's where the veterinarian comes into play. If a horse has bad feet or I run into a quarter crack or uh, something along those lines, there is feet supplements that have things in them that help the hoof growth or help, you know, maintain their feet. And so, or you might have one that has ulcers and so their stomach supplements that can help their digestive system and so each individual is going to those are those are the rare cases but you do run into that and and a veterinarian can help you decide what specialty feeds you may need from there okay and now you mentioned earlier the issue of founder uh that 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 can occur if if the feed ration gets out of whack or if it's the wrong ration uh if something like that Mm -hmm. if, if something like that does happen what should a horse owner do immediately get them to the vets and they're they're going to help you change that you know horse that's that's been prone to that or is overweight that usually happens when they're overweight or consuming too much feed you know then you and like i said the northwest it's easy to find these feet but a grass hay is going to help with something like that but definitely consult your veterinarian for that okay and and you brought up hay which is a really good topic to talk about as well so do you feed only grass hay or do you feed any alfalfa or alfalfa mixes to the horses the majority the majority of horses that we feed are on alfalfa the grass hay is something that uh you know i'll keep some around but we use it sparingly you know if i have a horse that's a real easy keeper wants to wants to get heavy or you know a horse that hasn't been being ridden has been on vacation and is maybe a little overweight we use that grass hay to, to kind of help them with a diet, a diet program. 
but but ninety percent of the horses we feed are eating alfalfa hay. Okay, and can a horse just be turned out on pasture and forgot about, or do you need to monitor their condition even out on pasture? I, it's always good to monitor your horses, but yes, horses do great on pasture. That's uh, what they're meant to. You know, they're grazing animals, and they're meant to be out on a pasture. And you know, in in the perfect world, I wish mine could be more turned out on pasture than they are. You know, but the number of horses we have around and keep and it's just not feasible, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. They do great on pasture and would recommend it as often as possible. Well, Jake, let's take another quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about wormers and vaccinations. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat, available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. Are you a new or current cat owner looking for a solution to the litter box that will keep everyone in the house happy? Purina Tidy Cats knows how to keep all those feline bathroom habits in a neat and tidy box with a wide range of litter options available at D&B Supply. And because all cats have a unique personality, some more than just one, Tidy Cat offers scoopable, non-clumping litter choices to make them all happy. Tidy Cats is quick and easy to clean. It's even easy on the nose. When you need the full scoop for your feline fur balls, stop on by your favorite D&B Supply and pick up a bag or bucket of Tidy Cats. All right, Jake. Well, now that we're back, we're talking so much about feed and supplements and the condition of the horse, but there's there's outside influences that can impact that as well that maybe feed can't impact. Uh, what do you what do you recommend to people when it comes to dealing with things like external parasi- uh, parasites, internal parasites, and and disease? Uh, I think it's very essential to have a good you know worming program, a vaccination program. There's so many diseases out there now that. Uh, can affect your horses, it's really important to have them on a vaccination schedule as well as a worming schedule. I get all of my vaccines and wormers from DMV Supply. It's uh, They have a wider range and every brand you can imagine, and it's, it's very important to keep them horses healthy to have them on a vaccination program and a worming schedule. Well, let's talk about your schedule really quick then. So how, how frequently do you worm your horses? About every three months is what I do, and that's something that you're going to have to work out yourself, your own warming schedule, and how where you're at if, if different areas have different problems with different parasites. But uh, about every three months, we worm with uh, Safeguard. Um, once in a while, we'll rotate. Any of those warming companies have a, a warming schedule that they can get you on and uh, rotation. We, sometimes you need to change those wormers so that uh, the parasites don't become immune to what you're, what you're trying to use. Mm-hmm. As, as a general rule, we worm every three months. Okay, and how are you uh, giving the wormer to your horses? Uh, the oral pastes are really easy, convenient. Um, it has a dosage on the tube, and most horses nowadays, are it's it's really simple to give them the oral paste. Okay. It's what I prefer. And so here in the Treasure Valley, uh, obviously we're going to have certain things that maybe we don't have over, say, in Pendleton, Oregon or something like that. But but just as a general frame of reference, what type of external parasites and internal parasites are you worming for here in the Treasure Valley that we have uh, problems with here? Just the general worms, you know, the round worms and the, I don't know what the exact, the exact ones, but, you know, there's some, Safeguard has a, 
pretty broad spectrum. It, I think as far as wormers go, it, it's the broadest spectrum, covers everything type of wormer, real safe to use, mares and colts, you know, it's, it's a really good all-around wormer. Okay. And how often are you vaccinating? So we, we vaccinate every spring. We give them uh, the five-way. In the spring, we also do the West Nile virus. Uh, later in the summer through the show season, we might give them a booster, but generally just in the spring. Okay. And so that's every spring for every horse? Yes. Well, great. All right. Well, Jake, is there anything else that our listeners should know about feeding their horses, particularly this time of year and, and what they're going to go through in the summer? Boy, not that I can think of. I think we've covered uh, most of it. I say if there's any problems or questions, I recommend people to talk to their vet or go into DMV. They have uh, really knowledgeable cell staff and, and can they can help steer them in the right direction. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jake, and, and for sharing all this great information. Really appreciated hearing from you. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. All right, let's take another break, and we'll be right back with our second interview talking all about your horse's nutrition. Know what looks good with a cowboy hat, panhandle western apparel, and rock and roll denim available at D&B Supply. Over 70 years ago, Panhandle started putting snaps on their popular gambler-style shirt and soon became a runaway hit with cowboys and cowgirls everywhere. In the 21st century, they formed Rock and Roll Denim too, with fashion-forward looks and high-class jeans that fit any style. With designs both classic and fresh, get decked out for life in the West with Panhandle shirts and Rock and Roll Denim at D&B. Hamilton Carhartt started sweating the details back in 1889. Carhartt started to stitch together workwear made to stand up to steel, smoke, and the Industrial Revolution. Ever since, Carhartt gear has survived in the most rugged corners of the world and thrived in the harshest conditions at work or home. In 1959, a couple of fellas named Dutch and Bud set up their first supply shop in Idaho to outfit people in the West with only the best. When you need the stuff of legends, even just to make it through the workday, stop in for some Carhartt at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, joining us now is Dr. Stephen Duran, uh, coming to us from Weezer, Idaho. Doctor, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us to talk to us about horse nutrition today. You're certainly welcome. Well, I, I just got done reading your bio on your website, and you have just a really interesting career, and it looks like you've been all over the world uh, dealing with horses and horse nutrition. Uh, that's true. I'm a consulting equine nutritionist, so that means I, I work all over the United States as well as, as globally. I have accounts, obviously, in the United States, Canada, accounts in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland. So yes, I get plenty of frequent flyer miles. All right. And now uh, you own and operate your, your own company called Performance Horse Nutrition out of Weezer, Idaho now, correct? That is correct. Uh, my office is in Weezer. Um, I have a, a co-worker and employee, also a PhD in equine nutrition, Dr. Tanya Cubitt, and her base office is in Virginia. Wonderful. And I, and I read that you had got your initial animal science degree up at the University of Idaho and then off to Kentucky you went. That is correct. I did my undergraduate at the University of Idaho and then both a master's and a Ph.D. in equine nutrition and exercise physiology at the University of Kentucky. Well, I will tell you, and this is more of a confession, I still have my original feeds and feeding book from like Animal Science 102 or whatever it was when I first started college and I promised myself someday I would get through that thing and truly understand it. But I don't think that's ever going to happen, doctor. 
Yeah, it, it, as we as we age, our learning ability decreases too. So you better get on it. Well, I don't know that I ever, even at my peak, I don't know that I ever had the learning ability to master nutrition. It is a complex topic. Um, there, there are some obviously some some complex topics to it, but it, it doesn't need to be that hard. You know, we, we have horses or, or we care for horses and we're responsible for feeding those horses every day and making feeding decisions. And, and when you boil it down to the, the basics and, and just get a, a general understanding, it, it certainly doesn't need to be that hard. Well, I think that's what's great about having you or being able to have you on as a guest on the show is that you can take some of those complex things and then you've got the skills and the ability to kind of translate that for people like me uh, who don't grasp it that easy and, and make it understandable. So uh, why don't we jump into trying to do that? That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Well, I, you know, really, I, I wanted to just ask in broad terms about your recommendations for our listeners who are horse owners here in our in our listening audience, Eastern Oregon, uh, Western Idaho, Southern Idaho. And we've got listeners with a wide range of horses, everything from a leisure horse that gets ridden every now and then to a recreational horse, maybe they're packing or hunting on it on up to performance horses, maybe they're, you know, barrel racing with it or something like that. And I wonder if you might be able to kind of break down those three categories for us and tell us what you think people should be doing this time of year and, and this summer. One, one of the things that, that, first of all, we need to realize is that feeding horses in the western United States is, is different than feeding horses anywhere else in the world. And the major difference is we have exceptional forages. The the haze that we feed to our horses uh, in the western United States are some of the best in the world. We export these horses to, or these hays to Japan, to t- China, all over the world. They've they've been used to feed the last five Olympic Games, the World Equestrian Games. So the quality of forage that that we have, that we routinely see here, our hay is very high quality. Mm-hmm. The other major difference is. The, the types of hay that we have. We have in in the West the ability to, to choose whether we want to feed an alfalfa type forage or we want to feed more of a grass forage. The grass forage would certainly include your, your pasture, but also our grass hays such as Timothy, Orchard, Grass, and, and some of the others. So the quality of forage is very high. And what that does is that translates into the horses that we have here that are eating this good quality forage get a lot of calories from the forage. Mm -hmm. And in turn, they don't have to have a lot of calories from grain to meet their energy or calorie requirements. Okay. Well, that brings up a really good question. As I have interacted with and talked with horse people over time. I've sold hay. We grow alfalfa hay here on our place in Cuna. I've talked to people that say, no, 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 I only feed grass hay to my horses. Then I have people, oh, alfalfa is fine. And then I've talked to people that say, I only feed alfalfa to my horses. So how does that all break down? How do people make those decisions? I think the first thing is you can't think of a hay as a good hay or a bad hay. As long as the hay has good physical characteristics, it's green, it doesn't have dust and mold, it was harvested at the proper maturity, it has good chemical qualities, it's got the right protein, the right calorie content, the hay is is good in, in general. So let's not think of alfalfa as good or bad or mm-hmm. grass as good or bad. Let's simply think of horses have a fiber requirement and you can satisfy that fiber requirement by either feeding alfalfa or grass. Now, there are some fundamental differences between grass and alfalfa hay. 
the alfalfa hays are typically higher in calorie content per pound and higher in protein content per pound. So we want to match those to the horses that have a higher calorie need or a higher protein need to best pick the hay that's best suited for the horse. Okay, very good. Now, how will this vary from those three types of horses we talked about? I mean, if you're just going to casually ride your horse every now and then compared to if your horse is going to be an athlete for you. Right. So the horses that that have the the least activity, they would have the lowest energy requirement. And since grass hay has a lower calorie content per pound compared to alfalfa hay, most of those horses that are lightly used would be on a more grass hay type diet. And then as we move to horses that work a little harder, their diet would have or could have a little bit more alfalfa included in it. Great, Dr. Duran. Now let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to ask you about nutrition on pasture. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them upright, stop on by select D&B Supply stores for Powder River Livestock Handling handling equipment. Is your dog's true nature shining through, along with a shiny coat, too? Find out by filling up your pet's bowl with Purina One True Instinct dog food, available at D&B Supply. Purina One True Instinct gets back to nature and back to basics. Inspired by your dog's gut instinct to naturally choose nutrient-dense food, the expert nutritionists at Purina One developed a recipe that puts pure protein front and center. Let your dog's coat shine through by dishing out Purina One True Instinct dog food, available at your favorite d and Dr. Dern, now that we're back, I want to ask you, when it comes to the pastures that we have out here in the West, and, and I'm thinking of not rangeland, but but irrigated pasture that's confined, so a paddock maybe, uh, you know, mm-hmm. horses obviously, uh, before we started putting them in pastures, were roaming over large swaths of land. Now we've got them confined in a pasture where they're getting less exercise and less movement on a daily basis. Can, can they get too much exposure to good pasture? Uh, absolutely. The the types of grasses that horses were, before they were domesticated, that they grazed were non-improved range grasses. The types of grass that we have in our paddocks are all genetically improved grasses. And one of the genetic improvements to help that grass survive and, and thrive was to increase the sugar content of that grass. Mm-hmm. So, especially this time of year, our grasses are very, very high in sugar content. So horses that that may be sensitive to that, horses that may have limited calorie requirements, if they're turned out on an early spring pasture, they certainly can take in more calories, more sugar than they need, and that can lead to some some devastating consequences. Okay, and what are some of those consequences that, that people need to be aware are possible? The, the simplest one is the horse just gains weight, so obesity is, is the simplest. A more severe version of, of that or a more severe disease that can stem from that is something like laminitis, where these horses have a debilitating lameness typically associated with their, their front feet that can actually deem this horse lame for extended periods of time, and it may even be a death sentence for that horse. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So then I guess the obvious follow-up question is, what should a horse owner do if they've got their horse out on pasture, but you know they're working full-time or something like that? How do they monitor that? How do they regulate that? The first thing we need to consider is going from feeding hay in the winter to exposure to pasture, and that exposure needs to be gradual. In other words, if you want to start turning your horses on pasture, the the first step that I use is I feed my horses in the morning as normal, and when they have eaten their fill of hay, then I turn them out for just a brief time, 30 minutes or less, on pasture. Let them start to get a gradual intake of pasture. I continue to do that that gradual exposure increasing by 15 minutes a day uh, until these horses gradually adapt their digestive system. And I always feed them hay before they go out on pasture so they're not hungry and not gorging themselves on pasture. Okay, very good. And then uh, in terms of we've got this great hay out here in the West, we have the genetically improved pastures. Beyond hay and pasture, is there anything that you recommend for us to feed our horses at any time of the year here in the West? Yeah, absolutely. The the hay, as I mentioned, contains and the pasture contains a good calorie content and a good protein content. Unfortunately, our hay and our pasture are quite challenged with respect to trace minerals, copper, zinc, selenium, and so we need to provide those. Many people will turn to the use of a trace mineral salt block as a means of providing those trace minerals. Unfortunately, those aren't very good sources because horses don't consume or voluntarily consume enough salt in those blocks uh, to make those very effective. Typically, for horses that maintain their weight, a low-intake protein, vitamin, mineral supplement, what they call a ration balancer, or or a supplement pellet is a a good means of providing those nutrients where you have some visual assurance on a daily basis the horse ate the proper amount. Okay, very good. So would that be considered a supplement, or are there other things we should talk about in terms of supplements? Yeah, it's a supplement because they're low intake. In the D&B line, they have one called LMF Super Supplement. It's designed at one pound per thousand pounds of horse per day, gives them the vitamins and minerals, and because it's a pellet, you don't have to feed it with additional grain or or top dress it on a grain. It can be fed by itself. Okay, wonderful. Now, I've got got kind of an animal science nerdy question for you about horse nutrition, and it just dawned on me as we're talking about when I studied animal science and I got my degree in animal science, I felt like I really got to understand how ruminants work very well, but I don't think I ever grasped the concept of the cecum in a horse. Could you take a minute to kind of explain how that works to help them digest? Yeah, when when you learned about um, cattle nutrition or ruminant nutrition, a cow or a ruminant has the large fermentation vat uh, with microorganisms in the front part of the digestive system. Uh, a cow will eat forage, hay, pasture, chew it, swallow it, and then that will ferment in the in that front part, that rumen of the, the cow. Mm-hmm. Then the cow actually pukes and rechews, and that starts the digestive process. Right. Horses, they're anatomically arranged different. In the front part of their digestive system is a very small stomach, so they don't do any regurgitating. Then that's followed by a small intestine, which is very similar to ours in the sense that you have enzyme digestion. Then the back part of the digestive system, or the hindgut of the horse, 
that's where the fermentation actually occurs. And the structure you mentioned, the cecum and the colon, mm-hmm. that is where the fermentation actually occurs. Okay, so they're using... Back- so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Exactly. They're using bacteria just like uh, a cow is in fermentating the, the fiber. The, the major difference is horses don't puke. Cows puke and rechew. Horses don't do that nasty habit. Okay. So, but they are digesting much in the same way without the rumination part of it. Correct. So they d- digest the carbohydrates, the grains in the front part of the digestive system, and the fiber in the back part of the digestive, where a cow will ferment everything that comes into the digestive system. Okay. And now, is there a time of year here in the West that you do recommend feeding grain to your horses? Uh, absolutely. If if we were talking about the you know the three classes of horses, the the horses that have very limited activity, the horses that may have occasional activity, or, or the the full on performance horses, those full on performance horses, those horses will have a high enough calorie intake. They may not be able to satisfy those calories strictly with the use of of hay or pasture alone. In those cases, then the supplemental um, feeds, grain-type products, would be appropriate for those horses. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for for coming on and sharing all this with us today. You know, horses are such an important way of life out here in the West, and so many people enjoy that way of life that uh, we definitely want to provide them as good of information as we can, and you've certainly done that. Thank you very much, Doctor. You're welcome. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. Thank you.